seen a video nasty. I wouldn't. I have far too much. But how, how can you judge on a video nasty? Oh, you've seen one. I actually don't need to see visually what I know is in that film. There's a story that um, the film we're going to talk about today, Happy Birthday to Me, had a, a bit of a production hell, certainly before it had been released, uh, before it had been filmed, there was a, a number of rewrites of the script, although that's not that uncommon. But uh, director John Lee Thompson uh, apparently was so keen on making the, the death scenes bloody that he, the cameraman complained that there was actually blood on the lens. That's true. The version that we finally get at the end is um, certainly a lot more toned down. But that said, Happy Birthday to Me features a staggering ending. One that, in part, is similar to another film we've spoken about already, Madhouse. But while that ending is is there and present, and, and certainly you can draw very direct comparisons between the two, although apparently they were filmed pretty much simultaneously, I suppose, in fairness... Um, if you're going to do a film about birthdays, the, um, the, the the solution at the end isn't that much of a surprise that people come up with a similar one. What sets um, Happy Birthday to me apart from Madhouse, apart from it, the fact that it's actually quite a well-made film, is that its twist at the end is eye-poppingly weird uh, to the point that it, it makes it completely blows the rest of the plot apart. <laughs> It's impressive, I think, for me personally, therefore, that a, a movie can uh, take something as barking mad as Madhouse and um, and uh, be similar in its in many ways, but uh, be even more uh, OTT. Someone's having a party for the top ten, the senior class snobs. Before they get to celebrate, six of them will die in the most bizarre ways you'll ever see. Virginia, don't go away. Come over here, Virginia. It is up to you to determine whether you wish to subject yourself to fear, terror, and shock. Because of the bizarre nature of this birthday party, pray you are not invited. So, the film from 1981 is a Canadian film, a psychological horror movie, as I said, directed by J. Lee Thompson. Starring uh, Melissa Sue Anderson, who um, played a um, little girl in Little House on the Prairie, and Glenn Ford, who you could probably see from numerous roles over the years. Um, filmed in Canada and upstate New York, it was actually distributed by a major distributor, Columbia Pictures, and released theatrically on a wide release in, uh, in May in 1981. The reception wasn't great, uh, mainly because uh, already there was an element of fatigue about slasher films by the time 81 had come around. 
And uh, we were right in the depths of the slasher boom, and this was a, a big, notable release, so it kind of bought a bit of the brunt of the fact that, oh, God, we're going to get loads more of these films. But uh, it, it's kind of popular now, particularly mainly because it's... I'm not going to spoil it, because it's worth... If you've not seen it, it's worth just experiencing how fucking nuts that ending actually is. Anyway, the story uh, is, as I say, Melissa Sue Anderson's character, uh, Virginia who's a teenager who's had a shocking amount of luck. Her mother's dead. Her dad isn't present for her. And um, though she's popular in school, um, it's clear that, you know, it's, it's a funny old school in the first place, really. Oh, and there's a, prob- a bigger problem. Um, people are starting to get bumped off at, 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 with, at her place of education. Um is Virginia part of it? It certainly could appear so. The more we learn about the character, the more we realise that she is um, a very troubled young woman, shall we say. And um, she doesn't have any memories of killing her friends, but she does keep on blacking out as well, which obviously is a bit of a, bit of a, 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 a warning that something else is going on. So it was made on a budget of uh, $3.5 million. And... Um, Produced by uh, John Dunning and Andre Link as a Cinepix production. Um, these, that, that team would actually create as well My Bloody Valentine, which is another well-known slasher from, the, from that period. It was filmed after this one, but released before. And obviously it was a rush release because obviously it had to hit its February deadline for its release. <laughs> Otherwise they'd have to wait another year. Happy Birthday to Me was an attempt to make a slightly more upmarket, classier version of films that were very popular at the time, but nevertheless were, um, you know, considered to be a little bit on the sleazy side. What we're talking about here is obviously New Year's Evil, um, the Christmas-themed Tall Good Night, Christmas Evil as well. Films and Prom Night would be a more prominent one. And um, obviously, as we've spoken about a few weeks ago, Friday the 13th, which obviously was a big hitter. These films were kind of were being rushed out and were effectively taking up lots of these slots for you know what what the uh, uh, the holiday horror kind of thing. So the idea was though you know a birthday party or a birthday is a, a universal thing that everyone can understand and therefore you know while um, Halloween may not appeal to certain demographics or prom night if you're you know outside of America in, in uh, everyone has a, a birthday, so it would be a good bankable holiday, as it were, that they could use for something that was a bit classy and a bit more expensive. The, the, the script, the story was originally created by a guy called John Saxton, who was an English professor at, in Toronto. And um, the subplot uh, of, of, of brain injury um causing memory flashes uh, was created from by, by producer John Dunning as a way to kind of create a murder mystery around, you know, is is Virginia kind of responsible? Do we know? Is she even aware of what's going on, um, you know, when she blacks out? The reality was um, the film was in, long, was in longer gestation and then um, something like Friday the 13th, you know, so it was kind of more influenced possibly by, by Halloween, in truth. And I think that's clearer when you kind of, it, it, the, although, you know, the, it's clear that blood, bloody stuff sells, so, you know, they had obviously ramped up quite a lot of violence. But um, the um, 
it had gone through a number of reiterations before it had gone into production. Um, most notably, um, apparently, if you go to the Retro Slashers website, there's a draft of the script labelled from April 1980, which um, has a possession element in it. And it's almost certainly to try and kind of rework and understand where their film would fit in. I say, Melissa Sue Anderson was uh, was cast um, and was famous almost certainly because of her childhood fame from being Mary, Little House on the Prairie. Um, but um, this was her first major feature debut. They also got a classic character actor, Glenn Ford, on board, um, who, you know, he's one of those actors you've seen him in all sorts of stuff, you know, through the years. Uh, a classic, uh, a classic face of TV and uh, and radio and and and, um, and cinema as well. Um, you know, I mean, I suppose if I was going to pick something that you've definitely seen him in, he's uh, Jonathan Kent in the nineteen seventy eight Superman. So he kind of gives some gravitas. But probably what kind of sets this apart. Uh, apart from its, it's like ridiculously long running time for a slasher film, it's 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 a hundred minutes long. Is uh, J. Lee Thompson? Now J. Lee Thompson um, is a far more serious director than you'd expect to make something like this. Um, he was British born, active in London, Hollywood, and he made Ice Cold and Alex, Cape Fear, and Guns and the Navarone. So I mean, serious serious business. Although let's be honest with you, he well, he you know he had he had in the past had no issues with with working um, in you know action or or or, um, or making you know what the films that need to be made as it were. So it's not that surprising that he was able to um, you know kind of step in for this, and it, it appears he kind of he definitely looked like he had a good fun making it. Um, Thompson had been a dialogue coach to Alfred Hitchcock years before and been looking to direct a thriller. So the, um, and so he became attached to, to this film. He said at a press junket that um, what attracted me to this script was that the young people stood out as vivid individual characters. The difference between a good chiller and explosive junk, at least in my opinion, whether or not you care about the victims. And I suppose the, the amount of time you spend with these characters, therefore, is kind of kind of key to 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 what happens in terms of you know you. you I mean, yeah. Well, there's a couple of statistics. One is the extra money means that it looks glossy, um, and also it has proper stunts in it. There's um, a, a really bizarre thing quite early on where they try and introduce the characters. Can I just pray that they're, they're kids that take risks, that they have money and wealth. Um, and we see um, these uh, cars doing these big, this big bridge jump, um, really spectacular stuff for a low budget film, and um, it does definitely move the film away from being just gore. Although, as we said before, Thompson did not apparently was was quite keen to um, make it quite violent, and indeed he got uh, Tom Berman. Um, who was brought in quite late on in the process um, to do the uh, special effects. Now, Berman worked on a different film we were speaking about before, uh, Visiting Hours, which is the um, film... We're talking like... I mean, we did that uh, episode of Video Nasties in like 
must have been 2013. But um, but that that was about um, that's the one with uh, my client's side and um, William Shatner in set in the hospital. Um, the film was released as an initial was finished. Sorry, um, five months after the release of Friday the Thirteenth. Um, and had been shot in and around Montreal, as we said, with some of it, some outdoor shots, shot in New York. Apparently, with this um, that amazing car stunt bit, they jumped fifteen cars while they were making it, uh, and uh, it was done in uh, Phoenix, New York. And apparently, <laughs> unsurprisingly, the town kind of went to watch these these kind of mad people <laughs> fire these cars off a bridge. So the film was actually um, created for $2.5 million, but that production budget increased to 3.5 because that's how much Columbia Pictures paid for it. After Paramount's success from Friday the 13th, um, Columbia wanted something similar and wanted to pile some money into something like this to, as a moneymaker, in truth, for some kind of... They saw these kind of uh, quite gory slasher films as a cash cow. And um, this film was um, slightly classier more market option for them even though you know it is still very much a blood and guts slasher movie the product the promotional materials for the film uh, boasted its number of death scenes and the, and how they were unusual so it kind of sells six of the most bizarre murders you will ever see um and a slightly more um obvious title that John will never eat a shish kebab again which if you've seen the film you'll know what that means and Stephen will never ride a motorcycle again which you quite clear again if you've seen the film exactly what that's about although it's always worth pointing out that John is uh, not the guy who gets killed by a shish kebab and Stephen does not die, is actually the guy who does rather than the guy who dies by a uh, motorbike but then, then again um, I suppose the phrase Etienne will never ride a motorcycle again might, uh, might confuse uh, the, the, some, some people are like who the fucking hell is Etienne, and how are they? <laughs> how are they the type of person that? How would that as a person like me, you know? The Columbia Pictures really wanted to make it like an event kind of film, so pushed the promotional manual uh, with this. So loads of suggestions for theater, for theater owners to kind of uh, kind of crank out, make it more exciting. In the same way, you know, you kind of accept from a, like a William Castle film, although it's not clear unsurprisingly how many people actually went for this incredibly one of the ideas was to stage a mini recreation of the film's final scene which um, obviously gives away the fucking final scene but um, and um, again we won't go into it but it does feature the decision was to put a fake coffin in the in your in your, in your, in your theatre hall you know um, entrance and um, people who were celebrating their own birthdays perhaps unsurprisingly were their suggestion was to incentivize it with giving them a, you know, freebies, t-shirts and hats and stuff like that. And this, and and uh, taking a, a chunk out of or a page out of uh, the Hitchcock book, um, there was a um, a suggestion that no one would be admitted into the theater during the last final ten minutes because. Um, Well, I mean, why would you want to come in for the last 10 minutes anyway? But um, I suppose in a, an allusion to psychos, you can't come in from the start. You know, the, the, the last 10 minutes are so terrifying that they 
people weren't allowed in. I mean, obviously, you know, you'd argue that would be good manners, but hey, you know. But anyway, if you were left waiting in line during that period, they'll give you a bit of cake to make it make it okay for you. Again, an allusion to what's happening on screen. Incredibly, again, they're, um, I mean, I'm, I'm editing the talk about the promotional stuff because it gives away the fucking ending of the film. <laughs> but um, disc jockeys were also um, invited to uh, have call-ins where they would, uh, the questions would be uh, around how you would react if you were uh, going to this particular birthday party. Um, probably fucking not very well. Um, so it was released. It made $3.7 million in its opening weekend, i.e. it recouped its costs, and uh, it grossed a total of $10 million in the Northwest box office, and it a North American box office, and again, as we said, it um, it did reasonably well. It has cult appeal now. Um, the re- reviews were less kind, uh, pointing out that it bears a great similarity to Friday the Thirteenth for Prom Night, and it the finale. Um, it's rather strange and, and, and unusual finale um, was uh, was kind of laughed out by the by the critics. There were some um, pushes towards the fact that Thompson had made a film that was constantly made. It was a strong film, and indeed, if you watch it now, it, it does feel like there is a weight of quality behind it. And even the, um, you know, it, it's certainly not a, a cheapo slasher film of which we've seen many of already. But at the same time, because of this uh, rather strange uh, twist at the end, and also the. Um, the rather um, sleazy elements of any teen slasher film, um, they were quite aggro towards the movie itself. So, I mean, um, you probably, if you look at something a bit different, I mean, it does deliver the things you wanted to. There's some stunts, but also some, you know, some gory deaths, which is surely where, where we're at. Clean that scene with the skewer, which is great. The motorbike death is, is excellent. Um, it snapped your head back with its, its, its melodrama. I mean, really, for me... It's a it's a fun little you know Saturday night pop boiler, um, rather than anything more um, sinister or, or violent or, or or you know it, it it revels in its melodrama and there's nothing wrong with that by any stretch of the imagination that makes it more fun. Um, so the film was released on preset in 1983, silver se- uh, silver series VHS. Again, as we said, it was seized, um, but then um, but not um, didn't go up to um, trial. So it was just basically forfeited. The film was passed uncut in 1986 by RCA Columbia, uh, and that's the same version as the 1981 cinema release. So it's it's you know it's fine as it were. There's been various um, versions with different library music and, and theatrical music and slightly different mute sound scores. Um. Um. So there's there's different versions. Um. There's certainly the US R-rated version is currently available, 15 uncut from the BBFC. These are slight edits to the weightlift gore scene and the shish kebab death scene. Um, but as I say, there's a um, the US uh, uh, the US uh, Mill Creek Entertainment release, which is a Region A release, is apparently uncut. Um, you can tell because um, there's a pop song over the opening credits to the slightly edited version of the film. 
so yeah, so there's some um, some really um, good stuff in there in terms of you know the film itself is 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 reasonably entertaining and it's like you know whichever version you get, the R rated or the um, the the uncut version. The reality of this is that you're looking for a film. You really you, you know your enjoyment of it's more probably going to be in the fact that it's quite lush looking and, and that that ending rather than you know exactly to the level of cuts the uh, the gore scenes are certainly it's it's not like being trimmed in the same way something like I don't know uh, the, the the intruder was you know in, in back in the day um so you know as I say it's it's worth a look if you fancy giving it a go. Hi Virginia. Hi. Poor Virginia. Just when the rich, young snobs at Crawford High condescended to come to her birthday party. They're all being murdered. In the most bizarre ways imaginable. be nobody left to go to her birthday party alive because of the bizarre nature of this birthday party no one will be seated during the last 10 minutes of happy birthday to me pray you're not invited rated r now playing at a theater near you Anyway, thanks very much for uh, listening. Uh, if you want to get a hold of me, please do. My email address is videonassispodcast at gmail.com. You can get me on Twitter at orange underscore monkey, or you can go to the website videonassispodcast.com or thelastorpodcast.com, where all the uh, everything I've done is, is up, basically. Um, next week, we're dealing with Norman J. Warren again with from Prey from the late 70s, which is a mixture of aliens and lesbians and oddness it's a strange little film but um worthy of your time so until then take care uh, look after yourself stay well and i'll speak to you soon goodbye i have never seen a video nasty i wouldn't i have far too much how, how can you judge on a video nasty? oh you've never seen one I actually don't need to see visually what I know is in that film.